Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. My name is Kyle West, and I'm joined by Chris Hill. How are you doing, Chris? Doing pretty good. How about yourself this week? Uh, I'm doing uh, doing well. Children back in school or childminders, so I have a small amount of time to myself, which means I can focus on work and on editing podcasts, because it feels like that's all I do <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, but I do love it. No, otherwise, I'm doing well. Um, how's your week been? Other than having to open and then turn around and close a couple days not too bad some long days in the office so to speak then yeah mm-hmm. well at least you're here to talk track now there's always yeah. there's always an escape <laughs> so we're actually here to talk about an episode where there didn't seem to be any escape see the segue i did uh, on that yeah. unintentional the communicator from season two and we'll get onto that in a minute uh, just before that though a little bit of business if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on uh, whichever app you use to listen to it that could be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Gosh, we're on we're on all sorts. Stitcher, I think we're on, and uh, Spreaker. Yeah, Podcast Addict. Yeah, all of them. We're on all of them. Any good ones, anyway. So please subscribe. Uh, if that app allows you to review, we'd be really grateful for your five star reviews. Uh, nothing else. <laughs> just let us know privately <laughs> if you hate the show. That's much better. Yeah, just please, please, please uh, subscribe. And if you have friends who enjoy Enterprise, please just point them in the direction of this podcast. Uh, we are hoping, and I believe we will, become the definitive Enterprise podcast that's in production. I know there's been previous ones, there's been a very famous one that hasn't done anything for a year or, or, or more, I think. So hopefully we can fill that void. So thank you. Uh, we've had some great feedback already on the show in recent times, which I should have loaded up ready in front of me before I did it. But just looking at some of the reviews that we've got on Apple Podcasts, we've got um, great podcasts by two fans who clearly care deeply for the show, both extremely knowledgeable in wider Trek lore, well-structured and professional with intriguing talking points, which sheds new light on aspects of the show I hadn't considered before. Engaging and compelling, I could spend hours talking Trek with these guys over a few beers. And that's from Darth Emerus or Darth Emerus, not sure how you pronounce it from the uk actually one of my lot one of yeah. my lot but yeah so the, this is the kind of reviews we're getting and it, it makes it worthwhile for me makes it worthwhile for you i think as well chris yeah how are you feeling about the listener reaction to what we're doing on the show well aside from the from the one there in your your store <laughs> i think a lot of them have been pretty positive and, yeah fives all across and the board encouraging and, and as we record this one the music episode has just dropped this past week there's been some great feedback on that one as well uh, some good discussion we had some instagram messages and stuff which i'll need to share with you as well chris i just remember that you're not on the instagram <laughs> so i need to uh, share those with you but people are just loving it we're trying to keep some variety to the show so i think this is only going to be our what fourth episode breakdown we've done out of like 10 episodes so, so or 11 yeah. episodes sorry uh, 11 yeah, today so 11 now yeah so we're not trying to rush through everything or anything so i'm enjoying myself and that's all that all that matters anyway if 
If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash NX01 podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash NX01 podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode. So, yes, today we're talking The Communicator, which was my suggestion after you suggested Andorian Incident for last week, Chris. And later on, I'll explain why I wanted wanted to talk about this one so early in our run. But for the time being, Chris, would you like to... Give us a summary of the plot. Everyone just sit back, get ready for it. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while and need the reminder, or maybe you have, and now's a perfect time to make a coffee whilst Chris tells you what goes on in episode eight of season two. Archer, Reed, and Hoshi are coming back from a nice little away mission from a uh, pre-warp culture. While in the decon chamber, they go ahead and remove the, the prosthetics to make them look like the aliens of that planet. And Reed suggests that he goes ahead and writes the report back to Starfleet since it'd be his first one. But then as they're leaving the decon chamber and uh, returning all their stuff, Reed realizes he has left his communicator. So after the break, they they kind of start searching everywhere between the decon chamber, the shuttle pod, and the launch bay, or just to make sure that it's actually on the planet. So once they realize that it's on the planet, the last time he remembers using it was sort of before their mission that point Hoshi suggests scanning to try and pinpoint the location of it. First she gets it down to within like two square kilometers, then down to within like about a block or so of buildings. That's where they recognize the area. T'Pol again stresses the importance of not contaminating this culture, and so Archer decides that he and Reed need to go head back down and retrieve it, hoping that it wasn't found by somebody else. And Reed wants to punish it you know, once a severe punishment for it, Archer's just like, hey, it's an accident. Don't worry <laughs> about it, man. Yeah. So they arrive back on the planet after, you know, landing the shuttle pod outside of the city and, and walking back into the tavern where they were. They sit at the exact same table and they're approached by the bartender that they had met. He remembers them in Hoshi, but was a little disappointed that she wasn't, wasn't with them this time. And at that point, he uh, suggests a certain kind of food for them. They accept but Reed and Archer don't know that this was sort of a code for him to inform the local authorities from the army, and they're over at another table. While that's all going on, Reed's trying to use his scanner to, and finds the communicator in one of the rooms because some somebody had found it. So they go there, and they realize that it's locked, and they needed to wait for someone to come out. But at that point, the three or military officials kind of confront them, and then a fight breaks out, and Reed and Archer are captured. Trip is uh, getting kind of frustrated and thinks that something's wrong because Breed and Archer haven't reported back. pull agrees and they need to, to risk detection by trying to find out. When they uh, don't respond, Hoshi finds out that they're actually a great deal away from that tavern. And so pull tells Hoshi to isolate the, the biosigns as best that she can. The reason why they hadn't been answered, of course, was they had been detained by the military. And Breed gets further down on himself about the damage that they've caused because of this. 
and he's considering telling the military officials the truth that they are aliens, but they're not really sure how that would go considering how dangerous the current climate is down there on the planet, politically speaking. The man that they've met before there at the, the tavern brings them into Ghosts, right? That that's how No, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was it interrogated by the by the general. And it appears that he heard to Paul's hail and asks which of the two was the captain, and that's when Archer's like, hey, I'm, I'm the captain, but they're not from the military. The general, you know, goes on to, to suggest that, that they were actually there to assassinate the chancellor, as opposed to just observing what was going on, like what their mission was. During this point, they're also asked, you know, about the scanners and the communicators and the, the weapons on them, and they refuse to answer And as part of their interrogation techniques, it is physical violence. And that leads to the prosthetics kind of falling off and they realize that archer and reed have red blood which they don't at that point the the general uh, orders that both reed and archer be taken to to the doctor for full examination back on the enterprise hoshi identifies the compound that they're in and then a plan is made to to rescue both archer and reed and trip is suggesting using the sulaban cell ship that, that they still have but they would need a little time to get the the cloaking device working again to pull agree agrees to that plan and Hoshi continues to, to monitor communications in the meantime. As, as they're they're trying to, to identify the operation for the cloaking device, Trip has a little accident in the process, and his entire forearm becomes cloaked. And it's his right forearm. This is so ridiculous. Phlox uh, tries to scan Tucker, but can't get any information through the cloak. And Trip's saying he feels says it feels fine, it's just a little tingly. And at that point, Phlox is, can only guess that he has a large dosage of whatever radiation technology they use for the cloaking device. And that it'll eventually go away on, or, you know, kind of return on its own. Back on the planet, the General confronts Archer and Reed again, and has more disturbing information about their internal organs and how they are very different from the local population. And also shows them a picture of their shuttle pod that was captured from surveillance. Archer and Reed try to explain the situation with without going out of the local social construct or context saying that they're spies and genetically enhanced prototypes equipped with prototype devices the general doesn't or can't believe it and then has them taken back to the cell then the doctor knows that it's plausible and suggests killing them to further study the enhanced organs in more detail back on the ship travis and trip are continuing to work on the cell ship with slow but steady progress then the, the folks on the bridge learn about the execution plans to pull comes down and tells them to, to hurry things up so that way they can rescue Archer and Reed before they get killed. Archer noted that to pull would certainly be able to retrieve any technology if they were were killed or, and their bodies when, whenever they did meet their end. The two did briefly enter, entertain the idea of telling the truth, but Archer concluded that it was the wrong choice, even at the expense of their lives. Reed then assures Archer that he's not afraid to die, but also expects to be rescued at any minute. Paul, Travis, and Trip launch and are intercepted actually by three local aircraft when the warp power fails with transfer power up to the weapons. Apparently an automatic action by the ship. Travis does the best he can to steady the ship as Tucker fixes the problem and the ship cloaks again. At this point, Archer and Reed are taken to the gallows. Archer tries to plead, at least for Reed's life, saying that he didn't need to kill them both, but the general doesn't respond and they're both taken up. At this point, the nooses are put around their necks, 
and then everyone starts to hear but can't see a ship descending. Trip and Topol jump out, start stunning several of the aliens, and through a firefight are able to untie their crew. However, Archer needs to go back and retrieve the equipment. He successfully does that as their weapons easily subdue most of the aliens. Not only does Archer go ahead and grab the equipment, but also all the records of their examinations and the surveillance of the shuttle pod. Then uh, Archer returns with all of that, and then they uh, jump back into the cell ship and take off. Then only the general is standing now. He's in disbelief at what he sees. Back on the Enterprise, Archer and T'Pol have a conversation about the events, and they both conclude they would have contaminated the situation no matter what they tried, making the faction that they had contact with believe that their enemies were far more advanced than they were. T'Pol also informs the captain that she would not have expected them to sacrifice their lives to protect the inhabitants of the planet, indicating that she is impressed with Archer's selflessness. And see. Yeah, so what did you think of the episode initially, just as a, it's a sort of quick thoughts? Did you enjoy it? I, I did. Like, for me, the, the more humorous bits were, you know, of course, Tripp's missing arm, but... Yes, yeah. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it was a, it was, it was a pretty, pretty neat uh, filler episode. But it also was able to tie in things from from the from uh, previous episodes of, of the show, like the Suleiman ship. So what did you make of the premise as a whole and the idea of leaving a piece of technology behind? And it was a pre-warp uh, culture, so obviously that's a disaster for them. Mm-hmm. So how did you... What do you think of that idea uh, and the fact that it was happening in this show in particular where Starfleet had never dealt with this kind of situation before? Like, there's, there's nothing. They've been warned about it, I guess, by Vulcans and, right. and by... I guess people making theories in Star in Starfleet Command and stuff, but th- this had never actually happened for Starfleet. So how do you how do you find the I idea? I think it was neat to kind of show how early on in in Starfleet's history they were worried about you know contaminating civilizations that weren't as advanced and just basically protecting them as best they could, even though they had you know way more technology coming down into it. I thought maybe this episode would have been almost better as an early season one episode. Yeah. Like very early on, have them just mess up by leaving this communicator behind rather than it happening almost when they, I know they've been there for about a year, just over a year flying around, but they're quite well experienced, well oiled machines. So perhaps this idea would have been even more sort of surprising if they'd done it uh, in the early days of the show. How did it feel for you that it was Reed, of all people, who was the one who left the communicator behind? Because this is always, and even now when I'm watching it, this is one of the things about this story that I can never work out if I'm happy about it or not. And I'm I'm a very positive person with all TV shows I enjoy, but like for me, I don't know if it sits right that Reed was the one who left something behind because it doesn't seem in his nature. Yeah, I mean it's one of those where I could see if I could see if it was Travis, I could see if it was Trip, Hoshi, really Who was there, yeah, yep, Hoshi. Couldn't see it with happening with T'Pol because Vulcan and and they're they they're really good about keeping technology back, as we've seen. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you know if you if you feel like something's there and you don't constantly check it, I mean it could happen. But to me, it seems more more unlikely with Reed than any of the other humans aside from Archer. Yeah, I think this was done so that they could 
justify it being Reed with Archer yeah. in, who get captured later on. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem to sit right that Reed would even allow that to have happened given what we knew of him at this point. He was a real stickler for rules and he wanted more and more yeah. procedures. He didn't have there wasn't enough rules in place for him. So it does uh, maybe you could say it's ironic that he was the one who made this mistake. But I guess I shouldn't complain because this was part of a a real concerted effort at the start of the second season or from the second season mm-hmm. to feature Reed more. Reed had uh, really become quite popular with the fan base during the first season and they, they kind of reacted to that a little bit uh, as they were in production. You saw Shut Up Odd One yeah. and then he had a prominent role in Two Days and Two Nights and episodes like that. But season two was the first time where they had a few months away from actual um, production and they could really take on board what the audience was responding to. And the Trekkies yeah. enjoyed Reed. So you saw, before this one, which was episode eight, you know, you saw Minefield, mm-hmm. which was a Reed-focused episode. We saw Dead Stop, which had a lot of Reed uh, yeah. and, and Tucker's friendship. You had uh, Marauders, where Reed was helping train those guys for fighting and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one. So uh, I liked I liked that they were using Reed quite prominently uh, with Archer. Yeah. Which I guess actually, yeah, coming after Minefield as well. There's two two episodes quite quite close together with those two as um, driving the plot. But uh, yeah, it's always great to see a lot of Reed. So before we get into that plot a bit more, uh, what do you make of the alien culture uh, that we encountered in this? It seems to me like they were about well, probably probably about World War Two mm. on our timeline, especially with with Reed saying how the, the Chancellor sounded like like Churchill giving a speech. It se- it seems like had they had the technology they would be a, a good ally. Yeah, I didn't get the feeling they, they would be an enemy they, necessarily. Yeah. And did you think they were involved in like a holy war? Because there was a mention of, from the general, I think it was who said it, Yeah. Uh, when he was interrogating Archer and Reed at the start and he thought they were from the uh, the Alliance. He spoke about how we're aware that you, that your side yeah. think they have a claim to this land. And that, obviously, when you hear that in regards to conflict, mm-hmm. you think of our own stuff on Earth and even stuff going on now which yeah. generally has um, a lot of links to uh, religion and all things connected with religion from the past. So did you, did you get the indication that maybe this war was rooted in, in something like that? Maybe if not so much religion, maybe maybe like a, a different, you know, race, like, you know, slightly di- different colored. And maybe that's, that's why they decided not to have Travis on because Travis looked more like someone that would have been from the Alliance than, yeah, possibly, than these yeah. people. Didn't think of that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good. Which point. actually, that just popped in my head too. Yeah, <laughs> winging it on this show, ideas just come to us as we go. We don't script it. Okay, so what about the the political scene of the planet? I almost kind of wanted to see more of what was actually going on because I was curious. Yeah, like like maybe kind of see how how the general speech went. Uh, just kind of see see what he was saying, what he was talking about. Maybe even you know have a have a glimpse of like a paper talking about yeah the alliance. Even if we just heard that little bit of a speech. Didn't have to see anything, just a little snippet of it over the calm that uh, they were listening to. It would have just been, yeah. I think it would have been really interesting. I do like the idea, though, that we that there was this big conflict taking place on this planet. Like you said, maybe in the middle of the, of their equivalent of World War Two, which is a serious war. Uh, I do like that we didn't get to see the grand scale of it. And that our story was very small and focused. And mm-hmm. I like that. And that was obviously a deliberate approach by them as well with the storytelling. But before we get into the, all the prime directive and things, let's talk about <laughs> Trip's missing arm. Yeah. I, oh gosh, 
I don't get it. I don't get why it was in it and why it had quite as much focus as it got because it didn't event it didn't play into the plot in any way as it went no. on. And they just covered it up with a glove and a new uniform anyway. So it just seemed yeah. it was such a random B plot, wasn't it? I think what they wanted to do is kind of have the the ending as as trips, you know, leaving Sigbe, you know, that little shot of just that slight little hole that's still left in his hand. I really think they, they wanted to try to get some more laughs in the show. Yeah, I appreciate the intention behind it completely. And and it is the idea that, you know, one of these officers would cloak their arm is quite funny. It, it, like it, it is funny. And I did find it funny. But I guess I'm so used to like more depressing television now and deep and dark. And what was going on on the planet actually was pretty serious, uh, even by yeah. by Enterprise's standards. You know, they were talking about hangings at one point, you know, and yeah. a brutal way to die. And I just thought maybe it wasn't the episode where they needed to have that those kind of, kind of laughs. Yeah, I almost think that would have fitted perfectly in another episode. I appreciated like the kind of humor where... Reed has suggested that they say they've got an upset stomach because yeah. he said, like, you know, it may be an old trick where we come from. Us, but yeah, but, but maybe they maybe they've never heard it. Like that makes me laugh, you know, that kind of that kind of humor. So that that fitted the tone a bit more, I thought. But yeah, let's let's talk prime directive then, my man. Because right. it's the big deal. It's, it's it's an episode based around the idea of the prime directive, even though it doesn't exist mm-hmm. yet, and the archer doesn't have any real really yeah anything to fall back on yeah he's only got guidelines that he's been as he said he's been told over and over again uh, about cultural contamination um, uh, contamination yes and uh, now he's living it but yeah there's no actual set in stone prime directive for what he should be doing so do you agree with archer's insistence on keeping the lie going after they got caught and even when now at this point when the blood's been exposed and they've had scans of their bodies now you know they've had to come up with elaborate lies to say that they are yeah genetically modified agents do you agree with that I, was it the right call by I, I think i think they were good up until up until you know the prosthetics and the red blood or you know started showing its wear yeah. at that point if i was in archer's shoes i probably would have done what captain kirk did in uh, returns to tomorrow when he was being interrogated by the Air Force officials saying, you know, he was a little green man from Alpha Centauri. Just kind of, you know, play, play it off for laughs type of thing, as opposed to, to uh, coming up with, yeah. or, you know, in, incentivizing the military here on the planet to go harder after the Alliance before they get, get that technology fully developed. Yes, because this is, uh, there's so many problems, I guess, with how they left it, because they did leave this uh, this military group with the impression that, the enemy uh, can cloak vessels, can genetically modify their soldiers to what to heal thirty percent, yeah, quicker, quicker or something, and and all sorts of other abilities and the weapons. Like you're thinking, oh, well, like how do we not know now that these guys, the general, now have not just gone and dropped a nuclear bomb yeah. on the enemy now, like because they maybe they have his tech, but they wouldn't have used it in case they thought they really had to and now they've seen evidence that they really needed to and so potentially this planet could have wiped itself out based off of archer's visit and and the continued lie and i wish we'd gone back to this planet like i would have just loved to see a follow-up maybe that should have been the um the one on your writer's room we still got got plenty more to do yeah i'm giving you ideas now for uh your future ones um, but I thought, I agree with you, Chris. Like, I think that once he was exposed for the general biology being different to the aliens, he should have dropped the, the lie. And I think he could have, I think he could have got, I, yeah, okay, these people weren't ready to be having constant dealings, but he could have gone away with trying to treat it like a Roswell yeah. for them, yeah. you know? An encounter with some aliens 
well, it's all theory, but you know, the way Roswell has always played off on films and, and how it has been yeah. actually yeah. in Deep Space Nine. And it could just be an encounter of these guys and they just get out of there. And then, okay, they'd be aware that there's something else out there. But because they obviously wondered about it because there's a doctor who mentions that none of the other planets in Our their system, habit. yeah, could, and could support life. So they've obviously been open to the idea of aliens. So, yeah, I don't know if Archer maybe made the wrong decision to stick so close to yeah. it, but I understand why. It gets me every time, man. You know when they turn and there's like, general, their blood, it's red. That's like an oh yeah, shit yeah. moment. And at that point, because... I'm kind of wondering, okay, what does their blood look like? But you never think about it, do you? Like, it's not one of these things with these aliens we ever really yeah. think about. We know, we know Vulcans have different colour blood, Klingons, and, but generally all these aliens we think have the same blood yeah. as us. So when they mention that, you're like, oh my god, now they are screwed. Mm-hmm. And then they, when they see the body's different, did they say that iron was like yeah, yeah, yeah it was a toxin. To, yeah, just so many different things going on with like to this makeup of these people. I love that. That was a great, a great mm-hmm. twist on it. I, I really, I really was a fan of that. I quite liked the little glimpse we got of their culture as well, just in yeah. the bar, the pub. We didn't get much of that on Enterprise. We had Civilization early on in season one. And then, yeah, there was a couple of episodes, but this felt like one of those times where they really were on like a alien world. And it felt a little bit like a Stargate episode, if you've ever watched Stargate. And it felt a bit like that for me. Well, let's talk about uh, some of your favorite moments throughout the episode oh. then. Like, have you got any like scenes or moments of dialogue that really sort of jumped out to you? One of my favorite things was, you know, how Reed and Archer kind of bonded, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, over this shared experience. And this kind of leads Archer to be able to trust Reed more you know give, give him more things to do like i said i did really kind of enjoy the the humorous part of trip losing part of his arm to the cloaking device and as, as they're looking at his toolbox how it's just half there that they can see yeah the bits with archer and reed that you mentioned like mm-hmm. in the cell and stuff i thought there's some really interesting points in that when they cut them in the cell and reed is listing how they'd only come down because they'd lost a communicator but now they've lost two some phase yeah. pistols some tricorders and you see archer's face and it's such a little bit of a reminder of how trip felt about Reed in Shufflepod yeah. 1 when Reed was the pessimist and was just resigned to their death and Trip was working to try and fix something I just had those little throwbacks it was just funny to see Reed again being exactly yeah. the same sometimes he needs to just keep things inside <laughs> rather than voicing them but I thought this actually was the first time that Reed had ever seemed afraid of dying Yeah. unlike Minefield and Shufflepod 1 and at the same time it was the first time that Archer seemed completely resigned to yeah. it he just seemed defeated from the moment really that they were I think once the blood got exposed which I think we just saw it in Archer that he saw no way out yeah. there was no way at out that, at that point he was hoping and praying that the T'Pol and, and everybody else back on the ship had heard that they were going to get it, get executed and then come down I didn't really feel that the general was necessarily a bad guy yeah he never seemed to really like anything that he was having to do and he did try to give him like an opportunity or two to get out of it when he says to him you know just tell us we just want to know what you know you know we don't want to do this i know they they always say that but the way he delivered it i believed him i just thought he if he could just get information he'd be happy to leave it saying that he's a military general (laughs) he's probably not soft so maybe i'm I'm misreading him uh completely but yeah i love the extended scene with reed and archer when, as you mentioned earlier about how they were, for a brief moment, considering what the option would be of telling the truth and how Archer just wasn't willing to yeah. risk it because he wanted to protect, well, not the prime directive as we know it now, but what it would be. I mean, how far would you go, Chris, to to protect the prime directive, to protect a culture f- from contamination? I, I certainly would, would kind of take a step back before, you know, continuing the lie after I've been outed. That's one thing there. But... 
as long as I knew that, that my crew was, you know, kind of keeping an eye on what was going on down on the planet after we'd been captured, I would be be willing to, you know, hold out to, to whatever the scenario dictated leading towards the death, just so that way, you know, if I did, did happen to die, I knew my body and everything would be recovered, and we still wouldn't contaminate the planet as all that much. Do you think Archer was at any point thinking there was a rescue mission? Because he seemed genuinely yeah, I think, I, thankful to, to I Paul. Don't, I don't think I don't think Archer was expecting it, honestly, based off you know how how he reacted to seeing it or seeing yeah seeing them mm. come down and everything. To me, it kind of seems like Reed put into to plan like, hey, you know, if people get captured, this is what what you'll need to do to start planning a rescue mission. So Reed kind of had that ace up his sleeve knowing that there was a rescue plan in place. I don't think he had a chance to, to hand it over to Archer. I wonder if Archer was more resigned to their fate because DePaul was in yeah. command and he knew she was a stickler for the rules. As he says to Reed, you know, like um, DePaul, will, is, she's efficient, whatever the words were, you know, she'll yeah get the bodies back or she'll make sure there's not anything that contaminates the culture any further than they had. So maybe he felt that meant that there was yeah. no help coming. Uh, when he pulls her in at the end, you know, and he mentions to her about this very thing that she could have been seen. Uh, well, they would have been seen yeah. by those three ships, uh, the fly that were attacking them. But like, you almost think he's about to scold her. Did you think he was about to scold I, her? Or a little they, bit, But yeah. instead he says, thank you. But it's just his tone. It thought, oh, he's, and, now he's going to dress her yeah, down it kinda, for it. It kind of shows us the, the shift in Archer's thinking, too, from back in, in Broken Bow, where, you know, he get, gets so mad, he says he's going to knock her on her ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showing us that he has progressed since then and, and is more willing to, to trust. I think I actually heard them showing up at that point. was like, okay, yes, now I can go ahead and start trusting them even more. Did you like the continuity with the Sudaban yes, ship I did. appearing? Because I think we'd all forgotten yeah. that they had it. And uh, and there it was, with the cloaking device. I say, kind of, kind of going back real quick to favorite moment though, when Travis is is telling you know Trip that on movie night he can steal some popcorn with his invisible hand, kind of, kind of leaves <laughs> leaves it to suggest that he can use his hand to to maybe cop a feel or something if he's got the day. Yeah, hopefully uh, consensual. Yes, yes. <laughs> which, which, Mister Tucker is a gentleman, a true mummy's boy, so no concerns with that. I did like the look they exchanged. They had a good little, there was always a little bit of banter, yeah. wasn't there, between him and Travis, like even in Broken Bow, when they're in the sweet spot, there's that level of conversation. It's funny. I imagine all conversations were probably that way between Travis and Trip. Travis is a typical young bloke, wasn't he? A young man and uh, sort of uh, ticking all the stereotypical boxes for that. It was good to see a bit of Travis, actually, in this one. Yes. He had, yes. A, he had a fair bit to do, actually, uh, without doing much. Yeah, plenty of lines to, to do and was important to the story, which, you know, there's a bunch of stories where he could have had that, but they chose not to use him. Yeah, this story utilised, I thought, most of the cast mm-hmm. very well. Uh, I just wish the invisible arm had come into play somehow. Yeah. In the rescue mission, you know, it happens. You think it's going to build towards something, but then it doesn't actually. It doesn't impact the plot at all. How about the little fight in the sky between the Sulaban cell ship and the? I think it was three of the aliens' ships. I really like the design of their airships. They're kind of like fighter jets, weren't they? But with a yeah, and the aliens spin on them. Yeah, and since we know you know they're not made of iron, since that's a that's a toxin <laughs> on the world, you know, it was they were probably able to make stronger holes and everything quicker. It gave me thr- like. I say throwbacks, but the episode aired two years later. But it reminds me of the end of season three, start of season four, when, yeah. uh, funny enough, again, Trip and 
Travis are in the shuttle pod and they come under fire from the, um, I can't remember what the name of the fighters were, but in World War Two, very similar sort of style of fight that was going on. So yeah, I, I appreciated that a great deal. How did you feel about the death sentence being a hanging? You just don't really come across that in Trek, I... do you? No. I think they wanted something that would make sense within the time frame of that planet's history, but would also give time enough for a rescue. Yeah. Because I don't think Firing Squad would have given them enough time to get that down there and stop. Well, I think a Firing Squad would have made more sense for what we knew of this military force. But you are right, there wouldn't be any time for a rescue. And I would have expected that more, the Firing Squad. I guess as I'm talking about it, the hanging was because they wanted to dissect the bodies, so they needed to right. be able to keep them relatively intact. But you know, like when they're getting taken there and you see them testing the lever for the floor mm-hmm. to drop, at that point you're like, oh man, this this is real. This is this is serious. You yeah. know you're not going to lose Archer. You're like, are we going to lose Reed? And this is, maybe that would have been a great way to hit home about the Prime Directive and why they shouldn't let mistakes like this happen. If we watched later episodes of Star Trek where they're dealing with first contacts or with pre-warp civilizations, we'd have it in our mind at that time where we lost a regular character during it. You know, you'd understand why these rules are there and stuff. But as we said earlier, it's possible that that whole blooming planet could have wiped themselves out, which is more than losing a regular. So, I mean, what do you think the outcome was of the interference then? What do you think happened Hmm. after? Part of me wants to go ahead and answer this. Part of me wants to save it for a writer's room. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say something like that. (laughs) But it can't have gone well, no? No, I don't think it went well. I thought there was like no happy ending on this episode apart from trips. And it was one of those ones that very much like um, Cogenitor, which we've discussed Mm -hmm. previously, just ends on a really sort of low note. It doesn't obviously get any obvious follow-up at all. But yeah, I kind of was hoping for a win. But in a very T'Pol way, but also not quite as gloating about the fact that she was right. But, you know, she points out that they had contaminated that culture even without any of the technology. And I guess that was the lesson of the episode, I guess, actually. wasn't about contaminating with technology, but how Archer and... If you you have the chance to jokingly lie about your origins, go ahead and try that. I guess, in truth, the rule books would say, don't do what Archer did. (laughs) Yeah. At that point, think about what you're going to do to the, the planet. And I do like they addressed that because they didn't address it whilst it was ongoing. But I do like that Archer has clearly thought about that after getting back about what the lies might have done to the planet. What might have happened to the planet now may be a lot worse than what would have happened had they known that there was alien life. Who's not to know that that was a thing that it would, have united would bring them together, which is, I think, Reed mentions that or hints at that when he's trying to make a case for telling the truth that you know they need something these people seem to need something to bring them together how about T'Pol being almost proud that Archer was willing uh, to die (laughs) to to limit the contamination it was almost like she was proud of him uh, in a way yeah impressed by him which you know that also kind of shows you know a little bit of her progression too being you know humans are just going to do whatever they want they're not going to pay attention to the rules and here archer's proving that wrong this is why i think as well this episode would have been much better as an early season one episode yeah because this would have been another moment where t'pol and archer sussing each other out and she's again impressed by his devotion to what they're trying to do out there you know i love this episode i think Mm -hmm. it's a great episode but its placement feels wrong imagine if this aired as episode three or four yeah or five instead of terra nova this was episode five very early on you're seeing the risks of being that first ship out there for starfleet and paul and archer's relationship and you would have probably forgiven reed for the mistake a bit better right? because you know we did have an entire season with him already knowing what he or how how he can be how about Archer's 
just general attitude to the initial mistake though we never see him really scolding Malcolm over what happened and then it comes up in conversation where Malcolm's waiting to be scolded but Archer says it was an accident Malcolm it could have happened to any of us yeah and you know I kind of like how Archer jokingly says well you know you could have 30 years in the brig or I could give you a nice flogging if you'd like yeah 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 it's funny because the first time I watched that I thought wait a minute I don't think they had a brig at this point but then I was like he's obviously taking the mick about he's doing the throwbacks to old punishments and things like that yeah I don't think every Star Trek captain would have reacted that way to it I was trying to think about this as it was going on and I think they would have all got on with it, but I feel like there would have been reprimands or something for in later tracks. Janeway would have seen these things that could happen, but I think she would have really given a bollocking to someone. I mean, maybe up to and including murdering him. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we know what she's like. <laughs> <laughs> Picard, I think, would have really hit home the serious nature yeah. of what happened. Yeah, I'm going to say probably, probably for Picard, probably a combination of the speech he gave to Wesley after the the incident with not Tom Paris. And then also kind of the way he tried to get under Cito Jax's skin and lower decks too. I think that would be the combination of his two that would go, go towards that one. Yeah. And even Kirk depends, I guess what kind of Kirk you were getting at the time. I mean, he would probably make some speech about how humans do make mistakes, but it's how, it's how we learn and react, uh, react to them. But uh, Cisco, I don't know. Cisco, I think would be a combination um, actually, both both instances with Worf, when they put him on trial for the uh, for exploding civilian transport there that decloaked off the Defiant, and also after uh, after he had saved Jadzia when they were yeah. trying to get that Cardassian there in season six. I think Cisco would have been like at the end of the episode, it would have been like in his office, and he would have kind of agreed to them that mistakes happen as Archer did. But then as they leave, he'd be yeah. call out and say that they're being I don't know taken off duty for a week or something you know like yeah. Cisco was always one of those ones who at the end would just hit you hard but yeah I think this was a real example of Archer being just a really good leader a really good people person uh, yeah and these mistakes do happen yes they're trained not to do them but you know and it was weird it was Malcolm but I, I thought Archer was right not to come down he seemed frustrated I think Reed knew that right he was disappointed in him but certainly I don't think it ever crossed his mind to chew Malcolm out for it yeah that's why I love Archer. That's why he's my favourite captain. You mentioned Return to Tomorrow earlier, but there's another episode that yes. you've listed on our little running order here. Yeah, the episode First Contact. Yes, where, TNG. Where Riker is is sort of doing a, a, a spy type, you know, spying on the pre-warp civilization, or a civilization about to achieve warp. Uh, he, I forget, he gets like knocked out in a in a blast or something. You know, they've got him in the hospital and they realise, oh, he's not one of us at all type of thing and that i think they they kind of took took pieces of that that episode and return to tomorrow with like the whole interrogation set and just kind of been like what if kirk would have actually just kind of stuck with one story that was that would have he thought was going to try to prevent contamination i kind of think as well i know some people say oh you're repeating stories or yada yada which i know sometimes trek has been very guilty of pretty much just changing the the names of the characters delivering the dialogue on some ideas but this idea that you'd get caught out trying to pretend to be an alien species i that is gonna happen lots of times probably yeah you know it's it, more times than yeah. that I would... we found out there's thousands of or hundreds of thousands whatever of um different civilizations out there they're gonna have this problem happen every one in 100 it's, this probably happens or one in 200 i don't know but it makes sense it's not like oh they're doing that again it's kind of like well no actually it makes sense to me that they have been caught out yeah. sometimes with this We've seen it even in, in Insurrection when Data exposes the Starfleet base that was there on the planet. And, yeah. you know, as it turns out, those people originally had come from technology, so weren't so put off by it. But that could have 
completely contaminated the whole culture there. And so Starfleet have always walked that line very, yeah. very tightly. Sometimes they've gone over it a little bit, but we're way able to walk themselves back. Yeah, so what's your overall sort of final thoughts on the communicator from what it's trying to tell us just your thoughts on the episode as well direction visuals everything this is a good episode for me i enjoyed it the first time i watched it i enjoyed it the most recent time i've watched it like i've said it's one of those good filler episodes where you get to learn more about some of the characters and how they would interact in these kind of situations it does leave a couple of dangling threads that that could have been picked up on one of those that just didn't seem to be in that's why we have writer's rooms on podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. For me, this is one of those ones that gets lost in the, the shuffle a little bit of like that middle of season two. And, you know, we've done a lot of discussion of season two on this show so far. I will defend season two until my dying breath. You know, there's so much good stuff in season two. And yes, it has a lot of what we remember to be a standalone or filler, whatever you want to call it. But there is some... There, it's all great like this episode whenever i get to it yeah i get to the end i'm like wow that's a great little episode you know and i appreciate the the dark nature of reed and archer's predicament both men in this episode really were facing up to the idea that they were going to die it seemed very very close didn't have like that fake feel of when we often have that every week i guess it was the desperation of reed for a solution that made it feel more real that one wasn't going to come even though we knew because they were working on something on the ship but you bought into into reed and archer you you bought them not knowing that they were going to be yeah i thought scott Bakula and dominic keaton just did great work dominic keaton was really good in this episode Mm -hmm. Uh, he was very relaxed throughout he looked younger as well with that (laughs) even when he didn't have the forehead on but with his hair being different i thought he looked great the reason I suggested this episode was because of the prime directive conundrum and just because I think it's a little gem that is lost. You never hear anyone talking about the communicator from season two. Yeah. No one talks about it. It's a great little read episode and it's a great full cast episode. What they'll all do for each other. It's got some great sequences like the, as we said, the little shoot them up in the sky. And I just love the, the whole twist of the aliens having a different biology to us. They were so clearly different. I know we never saw it. We never saw what blood color they had or what their bodies looked like inside. But yeah, it just, it made some choices. I, I should have checked the writing credits on it really <laughs> to see all where the story came from. It just... I don't know, it seems very brave. See? Some very brave decisions were made in this episode. It was a great showpiece for everyone. For me, another strong outing for Enterprise. Like all of them. Like all of them. Yeah. On 28th of October, 2020, our weekly discussion will focus on the Enterprise novel, What Price Honor. This was a second original Enterprise novel following By the Book, which we have previously reviewed on this podcast. If you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss in our 28th of October show, then please dig out your copy of What Price Honor or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy. We look forward to our next book club discussion. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TheChrisHill, and Kyle on Twitter at KyleThomasWest. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep your shirts on.
This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. Google Clippy Microsoft Word. It was a little paperclip, like animated paperclip that would pop up when you were using Microsoft Word, and it was like a little helper. And there are going to be more comments on it in this episode, too, so we'll get to those. Right. You kind of have to be older like us to get that. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. And Nick goes on, but before he does, I want to just congratulate him on being a doctor now. Congratulations, Dr. Nick. Woohoo! Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. But then again, senior officer meeting, why has Harry came in there? He's an ensign. Because he is the senior ops bridge person. I don't know. But that's what doesn't make sense to me. If he's like the senior ops person, does that mean everyone below him is just a crewman? He's a crewman. (laughs) Because he can't boss even Lieutenant Junior grades around. Oh my gosh. So their ops department is just a mess because it's just crewmen. Well, it's a mess also. That explains a lot. (laughs) Actually, it does, doesn't it? About Voyager. Loading Holosuite preview program for Starpod Trek a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great read. Yeah, he put put other stuff in it. But, you know, but but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why. Like, why 